0: You said everybody doesn't really know how this is going to play out over the next few days. Even the campaigns don't know how it's going to play out over the next few days. We've just seen an adjustment from the Biden campaign, an announcement uh, that they've decided, at least for the time being, Matt, to pull down their negative ads uh, as the president is heading to the hospital.
1: Yeah, I thought about that last night, and I, I thought to myself, that's what I would have done first thing this morning is pull the negative ads. You could tell in his comments today in Grand Rapids, Michigan, he only mentioned the president once, and that was to say, I wish there was a speedy recovery. He never mentioned him again through his oh. whole talk, didn't attack him, yep. didn't go up a lambast him, didn't do any of that. I think they right. are to figure out the right tone in the midst of this. Yeah. I think pulling the negative ads, as you say, is a good thing. I think the other question on the other side of the thing the is what off. do you do as the presidential reelection campaign? You're not going to obviously have the principal for any time soon in the midst of this, what kind of ads are you now going to run or what what type of campaign are you going to now uh, push through in the midst of this? And I think it's important to keep in mind this moment comes when Joe Biden has maintained a significant lead nationally and in all the key target states in the aftermath of that first debate. And so what we're going to see is that this is... Again, I don't think we know what's going to happen in the debates. I don't think we know fundamentally the impact of what's going on in the American public. And I don't think we know fully what exactly the campaigns are going to have to figure out how they're going to do and how they're going to adjust with this happening in the midst of a COVID crisis.
0: So, Rahm Emanuel, how does the Biden campaign strike the balance right now? I guess the decision today was go forward with your campaign event, pull down the ads. Is this just going to be day-to-day decisions?
2: Well, uh, yeah, it's going to be day to day as events uh, dictate. I would say that I might. This is a guess. Not only they pulled the negative, I bet you they put their foot to the gas pedal on the on the healthcare ad where Biden's talking about how personal it is for him. So it's both. Also, not only the negative is down. What is the content of the positive? And I bet you in the rallies he will continually repeat with his starting line. About wishing both the President and the First Lady a speedy recovery and well being. And it is not only of their well being, but the well being of the country. One of the best lines from his debate is if you want to get the country moving again, we got to get COVID under control. Yeah. And I think he will not only continue the campaign and make day to day adjustments, both to remarks, to the schedule, uh, but also to reassure people. Because remember, his core message is this is about the soul of America. This is about bringing us back together and remember what binds us
3: as Americans.
0: And, and, and on, on that point, as we've been speaking, actually, yeah. Joe Biden just sent out a tweet. "Quote: This cannot be a partisan moment; it must be an American moment. We have to come
2: together as a nation." Yeah. And so, to me, this is where they're going to come, finally. Everything's going to go. I wouldn't be surprised if they said, if there's another way to not just go to the health care ad. The question is whether they cut another ad that's a little more uh, about America's nation, because that has been what people loved about joe through the primary and here and the the vice president rather through this process, is his tone and tenor was different from the president's and he struck a period of time that again we could be we could differ on issues without being difficult with each other and i think he will constantly adjust and move towards that safe space that has been his ace in the hole from the primary to the general election to this and they're going to make adjustments to make sure they're never offside out of bounds on that effort and they can never be called, uh, you know, for a five-yard penalty here. We this can flip quickly on you and they're going to be very, stay within the lines and always draw in the lines. We've just heard from Eric
0: Trump as well on the tweet. The real Donald Trump is a true warrior, warrior who will fight through this with the same strength and conviction that he uses to fight for America each and every day. I ask you to join me in praying for his recovery. I've never been more proud of someone and what they've had to endure. We are coming up now on six o'clock in the east what you're seeing there right there is air uh, marine one at the white house preparing to take president trump to walter reed medical center there on the right side as we know at 12:54 this morning the president announced that he had tested positive for covid uh, we learned this morning from the white house chief of staff that the president had mild symptoms but over the course of the afternoon the situation appears to be have become somewhat more serious. The president reported to have a fever, chills, and a cough, the classic symptoms of COVID. Also reported to be taking uh, an, an experimental drug from Regeneron, an eight-gram dose of an antibody cocktail, the White House saying it's a precautionary measure, and now the president preparing to go to Walter Reed Medical Center, perhaps mm. for a few days. Uh, Jen Ashton, talk about the... the, the the course of the president's illness so far and what we can expect over the next few days
4: well i think the thing george is that this virus has shown us that we really can't predict very much no one has a crystal ball here um you know we are you can't take stuff for granted um you know with fever and shells i can tell you when i have fever and chills i don't know that i could make a a 50-yard walk Um, by myself to a helicopter Um, and obviously I'm not 74 so I think that every patient is different we have to understand that um, this virus can be really unpleasant we've heard many many reports about that from everyone from Boris johnson to the average person and uh, until it's in the rearview mirror you really don't know what to expect in medicine so i think that the treatment will be based on observation uh there will be some aggressive measures taken but also by the same token some expectant and conservative measures Um, in a hospital setting, so it's a very fine balance, and it's certainly not robotic or cookie-cutter or one-size-fits-all in nature.
0: One of the finest hospitals in the world, Walter Reed Medical Center. Rachel Scott is there on the scene. Can you detect any unusual activity yet, Rachel?
5: Not yet, George, but we are seeing people starting to arrive behind me as we await the President's arrival here at Walter Reed Medical Center, and this is just a stunning turn of events, less than 24 hours after the President revealed that he has tested positive for COVID-19. He is now expected to spend a few days here at Walter Reed Medical Center. Now, the White House press secretary says the president will continue working out of presidential offices. Multiple officials tell us that he is expected to be receiving uh, tests uh, every single day. And the president, while in self-isolation, has been working throughout the day, but he is experiencing those mild symptoms, a low-grade fever, we are told, chills and congestion. Earlier today, he did speak to Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, who said
0: he was in good spirits, George. Want to bring our thank you, Rich. Want to bring our White House producer, John Santucci. John, you've, you've had had the chance to speak with Don Jr., the president's son.
6: I did, Trump. I, I did, George. I just hung up with the president's eldest son, Donald Trump Jr. When he spoke to his father uh, earlier this morning, describing uh, the 74-year-old as in a good mood, um, uh, pretty upbeat, um, but said he did sound uh, a little tired when they spoke this morning um and he quickly uh turned the conversation to how things were um out in the campaign trail uh the president's uh, eldest son telling me that he never seen his father sick um, in 42 years and uh, is hoping he's going to get back on the road uh, soon um, but obviously uh asking everyone to please keep his father
0: In his thoughts, and and so we've heard from Don Jr. We saw that tweet from Eric Trump. We should probably also note that over the last now more than uh, four years, five years, Hopecs has really become part of the Trump family as well.
6: Oh, no doubt, George. She is the adopted child of the Trump family. The president himself uh, often refers to her as Hopi, um, and someone that, you know, for so long uh, has been in tow with the first family. Her office, up until she departed uh, the White House in 2018, uh, was the closest one to the Oval Office, just outside uh, the president's door. Um, And when she returned uh, this year, many aides in the West Wing and family members of the president uh, actually welcomed it as someone that had the president's trust loyalty in his brain and the secret weapon uh, of hope is uh, multiple sources have told me over the years is that she's the only one uh, that could tell him bad news um, which is obviously a very tough task for anybody in the white house and definitely a tough task for anyone that's been in the white house this year what do we know
0: about how she's doing
6: so George, I've spoken to multiple sources that have talked to Hope uh, within the last day. I'm told she's doing okay. She is uh, exhibiting a uh, symptom of the coronavirus. She has been resting at home. Uh, you know, George, uh, most of the White House aides that travel with the president uh, are tested before they hit the road, and that's exactly what happened to Hope Hicks on Wednesday morning. Uh, she had joined the president on his trip to Minnesota. She had uh, passed uh, her COVID test. It came back as negative. Uh, And then as she was in the air with the President heading towards Minnesota, I'm told by sources that she started to feel ill, started to exhibit symptoms, and that's when she was actually, uh, said she should quarantine uh, on board the plane. That's what she did. Um, I'm told that things, unfortunately for Hope, uh, it did get a little worse after that. Uh, But she is at home, uh, she is resting, um, and uh, she is, uh, you know, hoping to make a speedy recovery. Okay,
0: John, thanks very much. Go do some more reporting now and and come back when when you've got it. I wanna bring in Mary Mary Jordan. She's written a book on Melania. (laughs) Trump, the art of the deal. And and Mary, um, Melania Trump also tested positive that we learned that last night, has symptoms perhaps not quite as severe yet as as her husband. And of course, they've also got to be concerned about their son, Barron, who's been living in the White House.
4: And also her parents. Uh, There perhaps is nobody more close uh, to Melania than her, her elderly parents. And she has actually been caring for her mother, who was sick. Uh, So there's uh, a lot of concern for a very, very close family, the closest people on Earth to Melania Trump, and she eats dinner and lunch and breakfast.
0: Yeah, I think we lost Mary Jordan there. Uh, again, let me, bring, uh, let me bring Matthew Dowd back in uh, right now, Matt, as we see the White House a crisp autumn day, uh, Friday afternoon uh, at the White House right now, waiting for the President to come out to Marine uh, One. Um, it, it, it's, it's hard to imagine more of a surprise coming in
1: the final weeks of a presidential campaign. We're all been used to, you and I, we've, all of us have covered campaigns for a little so long, we're always used to the October surprise, but we've never been used to this kind of October surprise. This goes beyond any kind of surprise that, that we've seen. And one thing I'll, I'll say is I'm willing to bet um, my Texas land that the president walks out under his own volition on this because I think he understands, as Ron was saying, he understands what that means if he doesn't. Um, and how much that is important to him. So my guess is he's going to do that. So this is a surprise like any, George. Um, you know, there's all kind of questions that it raises as voting starts in the midst of this, as we talked about his campaign, what the Biden campaign does. I, what, what, I mean, We haven't talked about it enough, but Vice President Pence, who's been in contact with Donald Trump, What does he do in the midst of this? When the president is going to the hospital, he's on the campaign ticket with the president. He was in contact with the president. What does he need to do in the midst of this? Does he not campaign? Does he not go out so that's a whole other question
0: well and, 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 and let's try to at least, at least at least try to answer some of them. I mean the, the president as you had pointed out was coming into this uh, week behind a pretty stable seven-point lead for Joe Biden over the last several weeks and months nothing seemed uh, to shake that. this brings the coronavirus front and center once again uh, can, the, can the White House seem and, and the Trump team even mount a campaign at this point?
1: Um, I don't think they can actually. I don't think they can mount anywhere close to the campaign they thought about but I I think this is an entirely new territory for them which may be actually good for them because uh, the campaign they were mounting wasn't working. The convention they held didn't move the numbers. The debate strategy they had didn't change the dynamics so maybe, maybe not running any campaign um, is their best route to this uh, you know in any kind of scenario, but I think the problem the president has and was mentioned earlier is for somebody that has tried to discount coronavirus that's kind of downplayed according to his own words, that has made fun of Joe Biden and made fun of people for wearing masks for all his staff, many of little of who wear masks to have the events that he has, for him now to be going to Walter Reed Hospital. Mm. Uh, with coronavirus, mm. uh, I think puts a huge, huge dent yeah. into anything that they wanted to possibly say in the last 30 days. Yeah, and
0: time around, we were talking about Boris Johnson, the British Prime Minister, earlier. He actually got a wave of sympathy in the wake of, of his di- of his hospitalization with COVID earlier uh, this year. But the president is facing a much different situation, in part because of the, for the reasons that Matt uh, just mentioned, in part because he is right in the middle of a presidential campaign right now.
7: He is when feelings run very, very high. Of course, everyone will want to unite and uh, hope and pray for his speedy recovery. And if he does, when he does recover, there could very well be a rallying among his base and a new argument for him. Look, I, I beat it. We can do it too. He'd need to modify, I think, some of the some of the language that he's used around masks and other issues. Uh, but uh, I've talked uh, today with uh, David Bossie, who is. Uh, former deputy campaign manager of Trump campaign, still very close to the president, saw him over the weekend. And he said that a campaign can go back to what they were doing during lockdown, uh, that they did have the president on the phone, uh, holding kind of virtual rallies on the phone, certainly not the same thing as the Trump show in, in a real rally. Uh, but in also talking to voters in Ohio, Michigan, Pennsylvania, places I've been over the past few months, it sounded to me that the Trump supporters were willing to cut him some slack. Uh, as many voters are, about the original emergence of this pandemic. They saw it as an act of God. Uh, And now that he is is afflicted with it, the question is, will that... Forgiveness, as it were, that, that understanding that I heard in talking to voters continued this deep into it. In, in a deeply divided nation, so you it, I guess one of the other uh, quandaries
0: for the president and his team is that it seemed like in recent days and weeks, uh, that since the convention at least, the, the president and their te- team's entire strategy was to try to take down Joe Biden. That's what we saw at the debate uh, the other night. Tough to do that when you're in the hospital, when the country's facing this health crisis.
5: Yeah, and they George wanted to do that takedown at these kind of mega in-person rallies that we were seeing the president do, in, including, uh, frankly, in some of these hot zones. The president had been planning to hold two rallies this weekend in Wisconsin. That that's in spite of the fact that the, the coronavirus task force had called these this state the state a red zone because of the high infection rate and these rising numbers that we're seeing there. Um, and you know, with the the polls that you just mentioned in this. This widening gap between Trump and Biden, they were really hoping to try to close that gap in these final weeks of this campaign with this mega travels list that the campaign has, as of today, said that. Uh, they're going to stop all in-person uh, venues that, that they had planned to and either cancel them outright or turn them into virtual events. It remains unclear how they're going to do that, If with this new development of the president being in Walter Reed uh, for at least the next few days. Uh, we also know on the Biden side, we mentioned this earlier, that they've, they've pulled negative ads. And, and I want to point out, at the same time, our team is noting that the Trump campaign is still running attack ads on Facebook that are targeting Joe Biden right now, um, you know, so it's I, I, I think the reality is both sides are, are struggling with how to do this given the uncharted waters that we're in. And, and as of this morning, there were questions even about uh, the health of the Trump family, the top tier of the Trump family, and them having to potentially be in isolation. You know, these are the folks who are helping running the campaign and, and even campaign staffers who had come into contact with the president as a result of that Bedminster event. So um, it's not just a function of can they hold these rallies for the voters and the Trump base and the supporters? Can
0: they actually physically do them if people who are running this campaign need to be in isolation? Let's go back to Mary Bruce. She's in Wilmington, Delaware. we now uh, with the Biden campaign. So we're seeing elements of a strategy coming together from the Biden campaign. Uh, the pre- he went forward with his event today, pulled down the negative ads. We just saw that tweet calling for unity. Are you able to pick up anything more about how they're looking at these next few days?
8: Well, the message coming from the Biden campaign is clearly to say that this is not political, that this is a moment for the country to try and come together and recognize that this virus is still a very real threat. That, of course, echoes the message that the Biden campaign has been making uh, for the last several weeks. While the president and his campaign have tried to argue that the country is turning a corner, as Trump says, uh, the Biden campaign says, no, we are very much still in the middle of this. That message, they believe, is now underscored by the fact that the president himself has now tested positive. Uh, But to the point that Cecilia was just making, regardless of which side of this campaign you're looking at, the campaign trail as we know it is now fundamentally changed with just 32 days until the election. The Trump campaign effectively screeching to a halt. The Biden campaign having to completely, you know, or at least partially change their strategy. It is clear that they're still going to be traveling. Uh, Kamala Harris right now is heading towards an event in Las Vegas. Joe Biden just wrapping up this event in Michigan. Jill Biden was also on the road earlier today. So they are still getting out and about and and talking with voters, still getting their message out. That message though is now being tweaked, of course, as they are ramping down their attacks and ramping up their their language the need for the
0: country to come together. And, and their message, both before and after the debate on Tuesday night, has been that they're going to go full speed ahead with the debates. They're willing to go again, uh, despite what happened on Tuesday night, um, but that they're not going to go along with any change uh, in the schedule. That's what I was told by a, uh, by a Biden campaign official earlier this morning. Do they expect the debates to happen? That is such a good question right
8: now, and simply nobody knows. I I think the Biden campaign was still full steam ahead. The next face-off, of course, scheduled for just two weeks from now on October 15th. But the president's health and whether or not the president uh, is able to attend safely, uh, if he's even healthy enough, is the big X factor here. Um, There's, of course, also the vice presidential debate, which is uh, set to be held just next Wednesday. And while we know that the vice president, of course, has tested negative, there are questions, of course, about a need for isolation. We know that sometimes it can take several days after exposure for the virus to be detected. So whether or not we are going to see debates in the same timing that they were expected, in the same format that they were expected, uh, are all big ifs right now, George. We simply don't know. Um, and, and there are just too many X factors for either campaign, I think,
0: to make a determination right the now. The Biden campaign and the vice, former vice president himself have been extremely careful uh, with COVID. As, as we talked about earlier, the vice president said he took two tests today. Should we expect that these tests are going to become relatively routine now?
8: Yeah, and he has been regularly tested even before this. I would suspect that they will become even uh, more frequent. And it goes to just how different the two campaigns have been. Uh, As both of them have been ramping up their events, the president, of course, going back to those packed uh, campaigns, he has been uh, having a really uh, jam-packed schedule as well. Joe Biden, even as he uh, increases the number of events that he's been having, they are all uh, with a very limited audience, uh, making sure that everything uh, complies with local guidance, the local safety precautions. Cautions. He's always at a safe distance. You almost always see him wearing a mask, though sometimes he takes it off when he's actually delivering remarks. Today you will notice he did not do that. I can tell you I've been at many of these events. I was just uh, with him earlier this week, the day after the debate. Again, you'll often see the press uh, us sitting in those little circles six feet apart from each other. They take this very seriously, and even when he is not doing events, his staff is tested frequently. There's a very limited number of staffers that are allowed to have close access to the vice president, even if they've tested negative, they're all required to wear masks, they take this virus very seriously. I suspect uh the string the strictness of their uh precautions is only going to increase now, George. Right, and, and
0: Cecilia Vega at the White House have been somewhat more cavalier about uh masks uh on, on a day-to-day basis. I would expect that will change now as well.
9: Of course yeah, it's, it's going to change in real
5: time, George. The the pool reporters, the group of journalists who cover the president on a rotating schedule day to day. ABC is one of uh, many outlets, uh, to, the pool reporters anyway, are, are reporting that uh, the, the team of White House staff who are out there right now on the South lawn waiting for President Trump to leave the residence and enter onto the helicopter Marine one are all wearing masks, including uh, the press secretary, uh, other staffers who are out there. It goes without saying um, they usually don't wear masks. And, and I'll repeat what we mentioned this morning uh, on Good Morning America. It's, it's one of the reasons that cavalier attitude that many news outlets, including our, our team at ABC, have pulled back, at least in, in terms of a full presence at the White House uh, for fear of, of the safety of our own team because people were not wearing masks. We were not seeing social uh, events happening with social distance on a regular basis. Uh, you know, you're coming into close contact with aides and Secret Service A's uh, on a day-to-day basis, you know this, I mentioned this earlier, the quarters inside there for the press particularly are not, um, are, are not very big at all, and, and so there have just been a number of questions about how seriously they were taking it, and of course it all goes back to the statements the president himself has made from inside that press briefing room uh, downplaying the severity of this, and, and even turning the no a into not just a political one, but a campaign one, where he just, as recently as the debate, uh, charged,
9: challenged
0: Joe Biden and, and mocked him essentially yep. for, for wearing a mask as often as he does and there you go George you can see the, yeah, the, the helicopter
9: the now is getting ready to go yeah he's he about to come I out a, y'all a
0: the president will not be speaking when he makes when he makes the walk to the helicopter it wouldn't be possible really to hear he about the come out he would say but we have seen more activity now around Marine One he's, he's he's in the in fact now we're told he went directly to the helicopter our cameras were not there to see uh, him at that moment live
9: so he's in oh. the helicopter Oh, they hit him. Oh, he came probably from the bottom. Oh, they didn't want nobody to see him. Ain't that something? Ain't that something?
0: And, uh, he will have an office set up there, as we've said, uh, to do work and to make decisions over the course of the time that he is at. You're uh, take over in a helicopter. I
9: and knew something because it was coming well. outside. I'm like, well, okay, so where the president?
0: The 25th Amendment, anyway, they use a the distraction, over, y'all. Uh, any of the powers to the vice president as he's being treated uh, for COVID. Jen Ashton, let's remind everybody the treatment he is getting right now. He's received uh, a a single dose of Regeneron, their antibody cocktail, but also according to the president's doctor, zinc, vitamin D, I don't even know what this is, famotidine, melatonin we all know, and a daily aspirin. Jen? That's what
9: everybody right should now. take. Either zinc. I know I got my, my zinc, around. vitamin C, it is my, sight, my, ginger, my, my ginger root. Whoa,
0: there it goes. knowing what's happening. Whoa, there
9: goes, about take off.
7: president of all Americans. We are a wow. deeply divided country right now, but that is our president, the one officer of the government elected to serve and represent all the people. Many people don't like the way he does his job. Many people find him a threat. To the country he is a threat that he governs, but there's no question the Constitution put him there. That's our president, and this is a this is a very serious moment given. No, oh, it is we know serious. About this virus. One can only uh, wish him well. Green one slowly taking off from the South Lawn. Wow!
9: Look at the helicopters. Wow! We the police, he was
0: wearing a mask as he entered, wearing a suit and a mask as he entered uh, the helicopter. Relatively short flight to Walter Reed Medical Center, Martha Raddatz, uh, where the president's team will already, of course, be in place, ready to give him the best care. I have to imagine, though, the president has spent time at Walter Reed visiting uh, wounded soldiers. I have to imagine uh, this feels like a blow, though, to him, Martha, coming in these waning days of a presidential campaign.
10: It it, it has to feel like such a huge blow. Of course it does. Who is vigorous, he counts on that energy
9: like to be seen in any way as weak and you can see the well that just shows you bro I'm sorry you ain't no better than nobody else you got a title as president of the United States but you guys you gotta be careful though you you the president of the United States but you're also responsible for the American citizens of the United States of America and you can't divide you can't be divided you're supposed to represent all people okay not just one side And you can't mock people. You can't mock a situation and don't feel a repercussion of it. The Bible is true. I don't care how they try to make it look pretty. The Bible says, be careful with the words that you say. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. And those that love it shall eat the fruit of it. The thing about it, we want the Bible to make us feel good when we want to feel good. And then when our own words come back to put us in check, then all of a sudden, hey. And I and, and nobody's not gonna tell me I'm not a true prophet. Two weeks ago, I say, whatever's gonna go down, God sees it all, and He's gonna He's gonna be the one that's gonna be able to shut him up. And a lot of times. The Father don't put sickness on us, you guys. But guess what? Sometimes he got to back up and let the enemy come in. So now, and that's my prayer. I said, God, now I'm so glad you got his attention. I pray he have an ear to hear what you got to say while he's in that hospital. Because see, God can still come in there and talk to him. You know what I'm saying, you guys? I'm not being harsh. I'm talking about what the word say. What makes him different than you and I? When we don't agree with stuff, when we say stuff out of our mouth intentionally and unintentionally, we still got to eat the fruit of it, right? Whatsoever man sowed, that thing he shall reap, period. That's the word. We pray for our enemies. We bless them. Okay, we have prayed for him. And 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 when I heard about it, I said, oh, Lord, not the president with covid Oh Jesus! I only thing I say the only thing I only I felt it was like Lord have mercy on that man, cause now he gonna really see how it feels. Now he really gonna experience what everybody else been experiencing, and you have been laughing at it, you have been mocking this this virus. You you attacked this man on public television about his son. You mocked him about the mass. That he don't need to wear a mask. You know, I mean, all kind of stuff this dude was mocking people. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. And those that love it shall eat the fruit of it. That's Bible. Period. The Your principles don't change for neither one of us. We are not higher than God. I'm sorry. I just, I wanted to put that quote on there. Though we in the, we have to obey the laws of the land, but don't forget to obey the one who created the land. Come on now. We were forgetting about God. Sorry. Sorry.
0: We learned this morning that he had mild symptoms, according to the White House. Now, an escalation in those symptoms, that he's had a fever, cough over the course of the day, has been treated with Regeneron, and is expected to be going to Walter Reed Medical Center for more tests. Let's go to our chief White House
11: correspondent, John Carl.
3: George, we are told that the president has has
1: all of the classic symptoms of coronavirus, or many of them fever, chills, nasal congestion, and a cough. Uh, The White House has not confirmed this trip to Walter Reed yet, but they have released a statement from his doctor uh, saying the president remains fatigued, but in good spirits, as you mentioned, uh, taking Regeneron, also taking a series of... of vitamins and, and a daily aspirin they say that the first lady also has a mild cough and headache that's what we know officially from the
12: white house right now awaiting word on on this trip to walter reed
13: okay let's
0: get more from our senior medical editor dr jan ashen so dr dr jan what we know now is that fever as john said the classic symptoms also this uh, a single eight gram dose of regeneron's polyclonal antibody cocktail that's according to the president's position tell us what that says to you
4: Well I think the first thing to understand George is that the president's physician and his team of consultants are going to be making an assessment on things like how the blood oxygen level is, the vital signs, fever, chills, um, whether or not they might need other specialized care like an anesthesiologist or respiratory therapist or intensivist. Um, When you talk about this experimental cocktail of polyclonal antibodies, it's really interesting. This is a potential breakthrough treatment for patients in an out-of-hospital setting who may be thought to be at an increased risk of not being able to mount their own immune response. Um, has been short, shown in clinical trials to shorten the duration of symptoms and reduce the amount of virus circulating in the body um, so it does tell you that they made a calculated risk assessment of risk versus benefits and the benefits outweigh the risk of giving this drug and that the, the benefits of moving the president to Walter Reed outweighed the, the, outweigh the risks of staying at the White House
0: and Dr. Chen stand by because we actually have the, the one of the founders of the body cocktail Dr. Jordan Jankopoulos on the phone with us as well uh Dr. Jankopoulos tell us about the significance of the eight gram
14: dose and what you've seen so far in your results first I should just correct one thing it's a cocktail of monoclonal antibodies so it's a monoclonal antibody cocktail uh, now, the I White House called it medical... polyclonal I, I think that that was just uh, an error in, in transcription okay um, And I think that your correspondent described it well. I'm sure that, as she said, the medical consultants looked at all the data and decided that this, because of its uh, apparently uh, strong data suggesting antiviral activity, lowering of the virus, and potential to help people exactly in this situation, they deemed that, based on the risk benefit, it'd be worth trying it. Uh, We tested two doses in our trial. Uh, They went with the high dose, Uh, And I guess, once again, they assessed that there were no increased safety. There were very few reasons to have concerns about safety or tolerability based on our trial. And I guess they decided more is better and they went with the high dose, the 8 gram dose. And have you seen
0: any side effects in those you've treated?
14: Right now, we have in our our studies a very uh, benign safety and tolerability profile. This tends to be the case with these monoclonal antibody treatments, obviously we have a long history of this. Um, and we all have to remember, it's very different than vaccines. Vaccines are inducing an immune response and sometimes they can over induce and that's why there's all these concerns about side effects. We're actually giving these antibodies, we're substituting for your own antibodies and you don't tend to get the same concerns and worries about over inducing the endogenous immune response by simply providing these inert antibodies on the outside. Dr. Nikopoulos,
0: thanks very much for your time. I want to go back to Jen Ash. And Jen, we know that the president, according to the White House, said that he tested negative for the coronavirus on Thursday and then went out and, and did those events on Thursday. Mild symptoms reported this morning, now serious enough perhaps for the president to be going to Walter Reed. What does that tell you?
9: He been had
3: it.
4: Well, George, it's interesting because from other viruses, we know that a shorter incubation period from when a person is exposed to when they start to manifest symptoms can generally mean that the person has a higher viral, viral load, meaning more copies, more volume of that virus inside. We don't totally know if that's the case with COVID, um, but again, as, as you've heard, we've talked about it many times, according to data on all of the published reports of COVID-19 cases, about 80% of patients can be managed out of the hospital setting. Uh, To bring a patient to the hospital, obviously this is not just any patient. They will err on the side of caution, the president's medical team, uh, because of who this patient is. Um, but in general, when someone's symptoms progress rapidly yep. um, and they feel that they need other services, more observation in the hospitalized setting, uh, they will err on the side of caution and admit someone. And, and and
0: it's especially surprising, as you point out, the president is not any patient at all. He's the president of the United States. He has an, uh, an entire battery of medical equipment at the White House as well. So they, they're, they're, they're taking this very seriously uh, at this point, in part also, as we've talked about, the president, 74 four-year-old man and weighs 245 pounds.
4: Wow. Exactly. When you look at the risk factors, as we know with the published reports on data of COVID-19 patients who are admitted, age, being a man, having a BMI of 30, which is the cutoff for obesity and above, increases the risk of complications. Uh, and then again, when you talk about who this patient is um, and the potential benefits of having other services at his disposal in a hospitalized setting Um, just in case in medicine we always prepare for the worst hope for the best and take all the steps we need to so that, so that if the worst case scenario happens, George, uh, the medical team is ready to respond and respond quickly.
0: Jen Ashton, thanks, very for... much. So let me bring in Terry Moran, our senior national correspondent as well. Terry, hearing the president may be going to the hospital for a few days brings up immediate discussion of the 25th Amendment and whether if at some point he may have to say, I'm going to turn over some of my powers now to the vice president.
9: And that is, George, available
7: to him. It's why the 25th Amendment was written, to make sure that there are guardrails for situations like this for the president to choose uh, if at some point, uh, if the condition worsens and the president feels he is not up to discharging, in the words of the Constitution, the powers and duties of the office, then what he does is he writes a letter uh, to the House and Senate declaring that, and Mike Pence becomes the acting president. That's a temporary measure. He doesn't take the title or the office. But when President Trump recovers, feels better, he writes a letter saying that, and uh, he becomes president again. The the hard part is uh, if he falls ill quickly and isn't able to get that letter off, what happens then? Well, then Uh, Vice President Pence, under the Constitution, would assemble the cabinet, and if a majority of them vote that the president at this moment is not able to discharge the duties and powers of his office, Mike Pence would become acting vice president. So the Constitution has these processes for President Trump. for the the government to continue in a safe and secure manner. It's only been invoked for relatively routine operations for President Reagan and President George
0: W. Bush. In fact, when President Reagan was shot in 1981, they did not invoke the 25th Amendment.
7: They did not. And his physician later said it was a mistake because he was under anesthesia for a very serious gunshot wound. And that is one of the, uh, the triggers that has happened in these previous instances where it's been invoked once by Reagan when he had colonoscopy and twice for surgeries by George W. Bush. And what chiefs of staff has said is the question they ask is, is the president capable of making a decision? That's the threshold. And as soon as he emerges out of uh, anesthesia in those instances, and seemed capable of making a decision, that letter reclaiming his powers went out. This is a different situation unprecedented. Yeah, right now we have no reason to believe the president can't make decisions at this point. I want to bring in Martha
0: Redis, our chief global affairs anchor. Martha, the president is headed uh, to Walter Reed, a facility you know well.
10: Yes, and and it is a massive medical facility. He will get the best care possible, not only for military doctors, of course he has a military doctor, but they will have any doctors at their disposal to help out with this in the president's care. Uh, You heard the White House say he will have a presidential office there. I think what they mean is a VIP room, which is set up at uh, Walter Reed, Uh, but that's set up for any VIP that's there. He can work out of there, and he can also get treatment out of there. But it is a, a very, very professional hospital. Of course, we have seen through the years dozens and dozens and hundreds and hundreds of soldiers and others treated there for wounds. But the president will be treated for COVID. I know they have a lot of protocols in place already at that hospital for others you who call may come in you people. They're showing no masks uh, or they nothing. Will certainly make way for the president. Wow. Chris
0: okay, Christie, associate of the president, former governor of New Jersey as well. And Chris, of course, you were helping the president with debate prep through last weekend up until Tuesday, I guess right around noon, Tuesday afternoon. So you were in pretty close contact with the
15: president.
3: I was, George. Um, we, uh, we worked Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, you know, a few hours each day, um, mostly in the map room um, of the White House. Uh, and then we also worked in the Oval Office a little bit. Uh, we were all pretty well spread out in both places, um i was probably you know three to four feet away from the president i was sitting across from him across a rather large table but we were all together for for you know a number of hours for four days
0: did you notice anything any symptoms at all
3: no no he believe me he and i had you know some good back and forth preparing for the debate he seemed energetic and you know ready to go and i didn't notice uh, anything with him or with Hope Hicks, who was in the room as well um, during those times. They they both didn't display any symptoms that I noticed.
0: And and Chris, of course, since you were in such close contact with the president, walk us through the process of how, how and if the White House contacted you through any kind of a contact tracing program so you would then go get tests yourself.
3: I have not been contacted, George, by the White House. Um, I found out about Hope's diagnosis through media reports. But um, obviously, when I heard that Hope, who I had been in that same room with as well, um, had tested positive and was symptomatic, um, I knew that I was gonna have to be tested. And so I found that out, I guess, about nine o'clock last night when it was initially reported. Um, And I went uh, this morning um, to a center here in New Jersey um, and got a test and um, supposed to receive the results. Um, first thing tomorrow
0: morning. Okay, Chris. Thanks very much. There you see Marine One on, on the White House lawn, preparing to take the president to Walter Reed. I want to bring in Cecilia Vega for more on this as well. Of course, you've been covering the White House. This has been your beat now uh, all through this COVID crisis, and you know it was just surprising to hear Chris say that he wasn't contacted uh, by the White House. The White House also facing questions because the president went forward with that trip to Bedminster, New Jersey, for a fundraiser, an event yesterday in New Jersey, after the White House had learned that Hope Hicks had tested positive. Oh. Uh, and George, I just had a physical reaction to hearing Chris Christie say that he hadn't been contacted. and learned
5: from the media uh, that Hope Hicks had been uh, in- infected and tested positive. I mean, that just raises serious, absolutely serious questions about the contract- contact tracing. Uh, methods that the White House has been using. And and you mentioned it, that big trip uh, to Bedminster that we know the president took, even though he knew that he had been exposed, potentially oh. exposing uh, a hundred some odd supporters there who've now been told by the governor of New Jersey to take the appropriate precautions in the wake of that uh, presidential visit. But this is coming at a time when uh, the polls show the majority of Americans don't trust the president's handling of the coronavirus. They don't trust what he's said on this. He has frankly misspoken, mistruth after mistruth uh, on how serious this virus is. You'll remember he told Bob Woodward, he admitted that he intentionally downplayed the severity of the virus to Americans because he'd said that he didn't want to worry them even though at the time when he made that statement, he knew exactly how dangerous this was. Um, You know, there are just serious questions right now about how I I think forthcoming the the White House has been and will be about the president's condition, about the the lead up to it. Um, We are still waiting to find out exactly, uh, you know, when he he was first tested, the White House not saying that. You know, there are also, George, we've been talking about this over the last four years, questions about the president's health. We don't have a full record, uh, a complete record of how healthy or not healthy he has been uh, leading up to this. Just like he didn't release his tax returns. He's not been fully forthcoming about his own health conditions. There was that big mystery trip last year to Walter Reed that we still don't really know exactly why he went. and. I'm just going to say, George, as a a White House correspondent, I've just been pretty astounded in the last, you know, 12, 15 hours since all of this broke, watching the fallout take place over the course of the day at the White House and still seeing, even as the president has tested positive for coronavirus, aid after aid addressing the media via vis-a-vis the American public not wearing masks today. Oh, wow. It's been a pretty uh, pretty astounding
0: day so far. Yeah, and we're wondering what, at what point will the President's doctor come out and give a full briefing on the President's conditions? I want to go back to uh, Jen Ashing for more on, on this. So we know that... Uh, People have come in contact clearly with the president since last Saturday, and at least uh, two other people who were at that confirmation—I mean, announcement for Judge Amy, Amy Coney Barrett last Saturday, the president of Notre Dame, Senator Mike Lee of Utah, have also tested positive for the oh. virus. Several members of the cabinet have come out and said they've tested negative. But for someone who's been in contact with the president in the last 24 and 48 hours, an immediate negative test doesn't necessarily mean you're in the clear, correct?
4: Absolutely correct, George. So, I actually asked Dr. Anthony Fauci about this question. After exposure to a confirmed case of COVID-19, when is the optimal time to get your test? And he said day three, day four, day five. We know the average incubation period for this virus is 5.2 days. And we also know, based on data, that people who are pre-symptomatic can shed the virus and be contagious up to 48 hours before they themselves develop symptoms. So that would be the time to get your test, day three, day four, day five. um, Getting tested immediately right after exposure is not that clinically meaningful uh, and can absolutely present the, the possibility of a false negative result. So contact tracing is key, we've heard from the beginning. Critical to control this outbreak is test and isolate, and it seems like there are some big issues in the contact tracing department of that equation.
0: President Trump, was, of course, was across the room from Vice former Vice President Joe Biden on Tuesday night at that debate. We learned this morning from the former Vice President that he has tested twice now negative today for the, the coronavirus. He's gone to Michigan for a campaign event, and Mary Bruce is covering him.
5: And George, just a short while ago at that campaign event, uh, Joe Biden said that this is not a matter of politics that this is a bracing reminder as he said to all of us that we have to take this virus seriously seriously that's right well wishes to the president and the first lady you mentioned he did receive two negative tests today uh, one from a doctor in delaware and another he said by the former white house doctor who came up uh, that may be part of the reason why it took several hours this morning for us uh, to get an answer about the status of his own uh, condition but you know it was mark uh, notable that during his speech just now the former vice president kept his mask on for the entire time and he implored Americans to wear them too, yes, saying yeah, this is not about being a tough guy. Those are the words he used. He again argued that masks are, are a matter of being a good patriot, looking out for your fellow Americans. Uh, and he did call for all Americans to have the same access to testing. You know, saying that it's not just people in the White House or those who travel, you know, with him or a part of his campaign that, that deserve to have that kind of safety and peace of mind. There has been a lot of questions about why Biden is back on the campaign trail today, Uh, given that just on Tuesday, of course, he was on that debate stage with the president for 90 minutes, even though they were socially distanced over 13 feet apart, but they were not wearing masks. Uh, We have asked the Biden's campaign about this, and they say that they felt comfortable resuming their campaign tra- travel because, one, Biden tested negative, but also they say he was not directly in close contact with the president, and they say he was wearing a mask at all times during the debate except for when he was on that. Right, stage and there
0: George. was no encounter backstage between the president and former Vice President Biden? They have
5: not said that explicitly, but they say that, that they, he was not in direct contact with the president, so that uh, is the implication they seem to be giving us, George.
0: Okay, Mary Bruce, thanks for are in Rahm Emanuel right now. Rahm, uh, you're a strong supporter of, uh, of Vice President Biden. Is he handling this correctly in the wake of this kind of bombshell announcement from the President?
2: Yes, I, I mean, I, two things, George. One is he's handling it correctly by obviously wishing the President and the First Lady a uh, speedy recovery. And then also be reassuring in, uh, to the public as a whole, not just as a candidate, uh, an opponent of the President, but as an American, and I think, to be honest, that goes to his core point uh, what he said, uh, you know, even when you disagree with me, I'm going to be your president. And his whole message is about unity, bringing the country together. And I think he's, if, I hate saying this given you're dealing with a, a health crisis or a challenge for the president. He did, he did it exactly right for his message. I can only imagine now looking at the helicopter there on the South Lawn, the battle at the, uh, between the medical team, the communications team, and the White House political team that you have a president, the image of making a decision we're going to have to well, take it to the hospital. And that's what I wanted to ask you about, because you're
0: a former White House chief of staff as well for, for President Obama. This is about as complicated a set of issues you can deal with and the most personal set
2: of issues you can deal with for a president. Well, you know, one of the things that any chief of staff doesn't like is when it, it involves what I call the East Wing, meaning the First Lady and family and et cetera. And you have the doctors and the medical team obviously made a decision that the White House is not good enough, God forbid, given now you have a fever, you have some conditions. I know it's all said as preventive, but this has an implication that the White House is just not set up for this. So we have to be at a hospital. Then you have the political team saying, do you understand that we start the morning you know, on our, on our own two yard line and this can gonna put us on our one yard line, if not worse, and they're weighing in probably saying this is horrible and then you have the family own considerations and the, and in this case both the president's black patient consideration and so you i've had situations where you have national security saying one thing political team saying another wow and in the end of the day you can't really find uh, a weight of equities and you have to pick one side of that scale or the other and you can see with that helicopter there medical team one that's argument
0: from a purely nonpartisan perspective as a, as a former white house chief of staff if you, if you can just put on that institutional hat what should we be hearing from the white house right now
2: i think they uh, two things one is uh they should, if i were them right now i get the medical team and doctors as soon as the helicopter is up i'd get them out with a press conference in the press white house press briefing room to answer all questions It will be a level of transparency that I think the country needs, and to be honest, the presidency needs and this president needs. So all three of those yeah. aspects need these kind of And I would put a full medical team with a full report and just prayers to answer all the questions. And I don't, and I think this is the commander in chief, leader of the free world, the president of the United States who's being taken to a hospital because he's contracted uh, the virus. I think they, and I think that's the only way, because I think we all feel this, these are—I mean—just think of this week: Supreme Court nominee, tax returns, debate, and the president contracting. Yes, the stress. And the week's not over. Yep. And so they need to calm the waters down, and the only way to do that is to get people that are apolitical to deliver a message—a full, open kimono, transparently. Jan
0: Ashton, I know you want to weigh in on this. Wow.
4: Yeah, I think um, what Ron just said is completely on point. You know, you don't just need to hear from the president's physician. You need to hear from the entire medical team. That includes infectious disease specialists, pulmonologists, um, multiple other specialists who are all consulting on his care, and a full debrief of all the evaluations uh, and his vital signs, what his pulse oximeter is, whether a chest x-ray has been done, whether his EKG is normal, um, what other medications they are starting him on, whether as a therapy or as a precaution. Um, And I think that we need to, you know, get to that step. And I think there are a lot of people, both in the lay public and the medical profession, who would be interested in that information and reassured if it is, um, you know, just a precautionary measure.
0: Terry and we've often learned after the fact that presidents had serious health problems in the White House, everyone from FDR to JFK, uh, and, and even now Ronald Reagan as well. But this is the most serious public health
7: crisis for a president probably since Ronald Reagan was shot in 1981. No question about it. Uh, the other incidents where that 25th Amendment has been, has been enacted uh, is when there have been scheduled surgeries. The, this is the most serious condition that a president has faced since Ronald Reagan was shot. And, and there have been other presidents. Uh, Dwight Eisenhower had a very serious heart attack when he was in the White House. Uh, and there was no 25th Amendment at that point. So this is something to take seriously. But it is, it is important to remember, most people have it, do recover, and uh, the President gets the best medical care in the world. Uh, we are told, I should say, George, by the White House, that the President has not invoked the 25th Amendment to temporarily transfer the powers and duties of the President to Vice President Mike Pence. And that makes sense as long as he is capable of making decisions. Uh, The concern about this, the difference between this and those other instances, is in those other instances there were going to be scheduled absences, as it were, of the president's decision making capacity, be under, uh, Reagan and Bush were under anesthesia when they handed over the powers. It it will be hard to tell and it will be only up to President Reagan, uh, I'm sorry, to President Trump uh, to decide when he feels he's got to focus on his health and not be president go that you. We, don't, we, we don't know exactly that man too
9: bullheaded is that right man ain't giving up their the power
0: from the White House and the White House doctor Matt doesn give it in out the trajectory we saw of, uh, of Boris Johnson the, the British prime minister <laughs> early earlier during this covet crisis came down with symptoms wanted to keep on working kept on working
7: for a few days and then ended up in the hospital in quite a serious situation Yeah. A very serious situation. His father said that they almost lost him. It was was a very, very bad night, and Johnson himself has talked about that. There's one other aspect to that. Since he has returned, uh, many observers in Parliament and in the British uh, public are openly saying he is not the same man. That he is still struggling with what is being called long COVID by many, many people who have had it that his focus and energy might not be the same. That's a very common after-effect. Dr. Jun could talk about that. But this is a a very serious situation, not just in the coming days and and weeks, but perhaps uh, one of the things the president would have to watch out for is what so many people uh, are dealing with, that long COVID affliction. Okay, Terry, thanks. Let me run our political analyst, Matthew Dowd.
0: Matthew Dowd, of course, this is happening 32 days before the final votes of this presidential
1: campaign, as millions have already voted. Yeah, and that's the other complicated part of this is we've never faced a situation like this in the midst of a presidential campaign when people have already started voting. We've never faced it. Ronald Reagan was two months into his presidency when he was shot, so this they weren't in the midst of a campaign. What happened with Eisenhower wasn't in the midst of a campaign. And so this is a huge difficulty and it raises all kind of questions. Not only, I know you talked about the Trump campaign, it raises questions for the Biden campaign because I think the Biden campaign is going to have to take this on a day-to-day basis. I know they say they're going out there and campaigning. They're going to have the right tone. But I think they have to really watch this and decide what to do as this moves forward and see how the president does in the midst of this. And then it complicates everything with everybody's already trying, right in the midst of trying to make a decision on who they want to be the next president of the United States. And they see a helicopter on the South Lawn.
0: And you have this immediate question of debates. Right now, the Commission on Presidential Debates says that the vice presidential debate is going to go forward next Wednesday with Vice President Mike Pence, Senator Kamala Harris. The next presidential debate is scheduled for October 15th, which is just outside of the the 14-day isolation period for people who've had COVID.
1: Well, I, I think they are saying that the vice presidential debate is going to be on, which I think as of this time on Friday is probably true. But things... Could you be totally changed by monday or tuesday of next week in the midst of this and yeah. i think every one of the people that are involved in this the biden campaign the trump campaign the debate commission is going to have to watch this and see how this unfolds to make sure the decisions are going to make are reflective of what they want to see what's going on at the white house what's going on at walter reed and make the best decision. So I think as of today it's on, but there's no you know, you can't guarantee that as of Monday or Tuesday that they make a different decision.
0: Well, and I want to bring that back to Jen Ashton. Jen, what is the right thing to do here? You know, the Vice President uh, last saw the President, we are told on Tuesday afternoon they believe the Vice President's staff's Vice President's staff has said that they believe that means he is clear, doesn't have to uh, quarantine, doesn't have to isolate in any way going forward. What, is, what are the best guidelines he needs a quarantine. that people come in contact with the president should do going forward?
4: Well, it's interesting, George, because we've heard a lot of controversy, as you know, in the last couple of weeks and months. Yeah, everybody else have to quarantine. Why they can't um, quarantine? Going back and forth on what they recommend. Um, You know, that's another piece of information that I think would be very interesting and important for the American public to know what exactly is the testing protocol for the vice president for Vice President Biden. Um, Are they being tested every single day? Are they self quarantining at all? Right. Keeping some distance um between their spouses or their family when they're inside in an indoor setting um you know i I can tell you again uh, because i've talked to dr fauci about this um you know there's not one firm day that we can say this is the day that if we test you and you're negative you're in the clear this virus is just too new and we just don't have all that information right now so we have to err on the side of caution and that's why Self-quarantining, if you've had a prolonged close exposure for 14 days, is recommended by the CDC. And testing, we heard Dr. Robert Redfield say it emphatically, if you've been exposed, you need a test. He just didn't say when.
0: Okay, Jen. Thanks very much, Martha Raddatz. As we wait for the helicopter, wait for the president to come and approach the helicopter, my mind is going back to that uh, ceremony last Saturday, late Saturday afternoon, uh, in the Rose Garden, when the president presented Judge Amy Coney Barrett. It was striking to see in that ceremony. Yeah. Most of the invited No masks.
9: Not wearing masks. No masks. all mess. Of the
0: military escorts wearing masks. No, no masks. Yes,
10: all the military escorts who led people into the Rose Garden. Uh, had masks on. That is definitely the protocol for the military there at the White House. And on all military uh, facilities they are supposed to wear masks if they cannot socially distance outside. A little different if they can socially distance. It is okay to do that. You know, George, as I sit here and look at that helicopter, I can't help wonder how the President gets to it. Does he walk outside by himself? He'll certainly have to be with people who are in some sort of protective gear? Does he walk out? I mean, this is a very vigorous president. I I was struck today by the fact that we haven't heard from him at all. The last time we heard from him uh, was last night on Fox News uh, talking about Hope Hicks and in that conversation the president was talking about the military. He was talking about Hope and he said she's fantastic and she does a great job but it's very very hard when you are with people from the military or law enforcement and they come over to you and they want to hug you and they want to kiss you. Uh, because we really have done a good job for them. I I don't really know what he's talking about there. The last time there was anything with the military was on Sunday. It was for Gold Star families last Sunday evening. Uh, Most people in that room where they had that ceremony for those families did not have masks on oh, Lord. Uh, and did not appear uh, to be six feet apart each of them Jesus. Uh, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff was there he has tested negative since then his wife as well uh, but in that room there were a lot of people without masks Whoa. on that Sunday evening but again when he was escorted in the military escorts did have masks on
0: Okay. And, and Rahman, let me bring you back, in this, as Martha was talking about, this walk to the helicopter, if it indeed is a walk from the, pre- from the president. Usually when he comes out and heads into Marine One, he often goes and, and talks to reporters on his way out. What, what, do you, what will you be watching for as the president uh, heads towards that helicopter this afternoon?
2: Well, remember the uh, time he came back from Oklahoma, his tie was undone, and he was looked dejected and down. And we all interpreted that was the first time we ever saw him without his tie perfectly and perfectly cuffed i think the question uh, like both a medical and political interpretation will be does he have the strength to make it from that helicopter uh, from the basically walking out the map room straight to the helicopter will he how will he salute how will he get up the stairs does he have both the strength and this is a person it's going to be an image and it's the first time we're going to get that picture of the president and the uh they said he had a fever but how it's affecting him, it will both project medically and it will project uh, strength or not. And so that walk, I'm surprised to be honest, they didn't do a, uh, a car and they chose the helicopter uh, and all this and given the delay or timing here, my guess is there's, uh, this is out of my field, but since I'm a spin doctor, so I'll say, say it has some medical precaution, this is not uh, reassuring that there's a delay here.
9: And
2: oh, Cecilia, wow. Cecilia Vega, I mean, we've we had a lot of radio
0: silence during the day from White House aides, although we've now seen uh, Mark Meadows, the White House Chief of Staff, came out this morning briefly. Um, and
9: you've you know, had this. Well, you guys, I'm not going to, uh, I just wanted uh, to share, because I know a lot of you guys, you know, all over the world listen, and I appreciate you listening to the broadcast and just giving you some insight on what's going on here in the United States. Um, President Trump was tested positive for covid right after he did that for, uh ugh, that horrible debate on monday and i'm telling you uh i believe this is a wake up call i believe that at this time my prayers are for him and his wife cuz both of them have been tested positive for covid-19 and i know for a fact that is not no joke Them symptoms hit you at once, and how they were saying you're cold or whatever. I still say um, because I didn't, I wasn't able to pay for my test when it first happened in March, and all the system symptoms that they had. uh, Only thing I didn't suffer with was the breathing part, but I had everything else. The flu-like symptoms um, was part of that COVID trying to attach itself to me. And with that said, that is not a good feeling, and you feel like crap. You hear me? You, your bones ache. You, you cold. You may have a fever. Um, I don't know. It just brings your body through this metamorphosis, like whoa. Instead of you turning it into something beautiful, it feels like you're turning it into something horrible. And so, with that said, what's what's happening? I'm watching the special report. And they're waiting for him to come out the White House, and they have the specialists and, as you heard, um, the analysts, and they discussing like the whole scenario through this whole week up to the announcement on yesterday, because it's way it's what one, one something a.m. in the morning here Central Time, in Houston, Texas, um, and so I'm just watching the the YouTube. So you can always go to the YouTube, okay, and catch anything that you miss all right uh and also find out other information go to the youtube matter of fact boom factor tv is on youtube okay uh, i'll be putting some new content up there um soon so don't forget to go and subscribe so when i do start you'll get the notifications subscribe to my channel and hit the notification bell so you won't miss nothing new okay well it's dr d and guess what it's my birthday It's my birthday. It's my birthday. Happy birthday to me. And I thank God for letting me see another day. All right, you guys. God bless you.
11: Scaramucci, who opposes Trump's re-election after briefly serving in his White House, and former Trump co-author Tony Schwartz, who scripted Trump's original public mythology and the art of the deal, only who emerges a fierce critic and decoder of Trump's rhetoric and, yes, lies. I want to thank each of you for joining this unique discussion at this important time. Gentlemen. All right, How are you? Good. Good. Appreciate you all doing this. We have set aside time tonight for conversation in depth. Uh, But I do want to do quickly, first, two questions to each of you that are lightning round. Basically one word only. uh, And then we'll get in deeper. So first, uh, your views of Trump at the debate in a word. Michael.
16: Can I use a hyphenated word? Yes. Fecal display. Anthony.
11: Unhinged. Tony. Rapid. And the second lightning round question given why in part you're here and in this role that you're playing as we go Towards this election from when each of you met him. How many years in your account in your mind did it take to change? your mind about Trump Michael
17: a decade Anthony seven years Tony Zero I knew who he was at hello. Oh
11: Interesting, which, in your view and your own telling, uh, raises some of the questions of accountability that we're going to get into. Uh, So that's a framework for part of why each of you are here. Uh, Let's get right into it, obviously. Michael, uh, you've spoken out about witnessing Donald Trump's bigotry behind closed doors. You've spoken about it now under oath. You've written about it. Uh, And so I want to go to you first. Take a look at this key moment in last night's debate.
9: The fact that I could invest in real estate, someone that had no experience at all, no knowledge. I've done something that I never thought that I could do.
18: Proud Proud Boys, stand back and stand by, but I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, somebody's got to do something about Antifa and the left, because this is not a right-wing problem.
11: Stand by to the Proud Boys and when he was asked about white supremacy, Michael, your view of that, and what have you seen in your time with him that helps explain that so people know Uh, what they're voting on if they want to support him in November. Well, Trump has made racism the essential tenet of this campaign.
16: Um, And in this case, he's he's blown his dog whistle uh, at the Proud Boys. And he's essentially called his supremacist horde, you know, to their battle stations. That's how I saw it. And it's really not what people think. You have to really understand Donald Trump to understand and I do this a lot in my book, Disloyal, what he's really thinking. He's refusing to disavow them because they are now his army and he will call them to arms when he loses as an attempt to retain control over power. This is, he sees them as an army. They dress like an army, they behave like an army. They brandish the Trump flag, the Make America Great Again flag as they walk down the street attacking this is his army, and he intends on calling them back. Tony, you're nodding. Yeah, I
17: think it's I think it's absolutely right. I think that, uh, listen, Trump is at a very, very difficult moment. He's been getting angrier and angrier over the past couple of months for what I believe, and see what these guys think, are two reasons. One, he increasingly believes he's going to
9: lose, at least lose legitimately. And the worst thing in the world for Donald Trump is to feel like a loser. Yep. It's
17: obliterating to him. The
9: second thing yep. is that if He'll he loses, die first. he's worried
17: he's about to get criminally indicted and that he could end up in prison.
9: Oh, wow. Michael. I mean, Tony's 100% correct.
16: I mean, there's, there's nothing else I can add to it. He hates to lose. It's a big problem for him. He's all about winning. I talk about that as well. You know, in the book. And... He is concerned. There are a multitude of investigations right now pending against him and the Trump organization. And the way that he believes that he's going to stop them from continuing is to retain control and to retain the presidency. Right, you're both speaking about
11: his view of everything, do or die, total war, uh, and the legitimate evidence out there for something that does not face most politicians or most presidents, which is the idea that losing is also associated with losing the power that might keep your liberty and keep you potentially out of other legal problems or even, yes, uh, criminal legal exposure. Anthony, I want to bring you in here, and again, uh, you've spoken about this, so I don't say this to give you a hard time, but just part of my job is uh, you have, like others, been very supportive of this president, uh, before making your evolution, um, so with that context, let's take a look at some of that.
3: Hi, I'm Rex Moore with the Motley Fool in front of BMW's self-driving exhibit. It's- I think he's got some
19: of the best political instincts in the world, and perhaps in history, he's done a phenomenal job for the American people. He is giving people a license to hate, uh, to provide a source of anger, to go after each other. Walk us
11: through how you, a very intelligent, well educated, adult professional, felt that way or said those things recently and land where you do today on this panel saying you've seen Trump up close and you're warning the American people.
19: Well, I'm, I'm blaming the whole thing on Michael uh, Aradie because he's to get the whole thing, but no, in all seriousness what I said was he has great political instincts and he does have great political instincts. You have to acknowledge that If you want to defeat Mr. Trump, you have to accept what his strengths and weaknesses are. Uh, But my evolution really came from watching the presidency unfold. I was actually trying to stay loyal after I got fired. And I ended up uh, seeing a lot of things that you couldn't take. And so somebody, one of my liberal friends said, well, you know, he was the same guy in 2015 as he was in 2019 when you were going against him. So what do you say to that? And my answer to that is I'm not the same person. I'm way more psychologically minded. The way I got fired, the way I got roughed up by the experience made me more empathetic, more mature, and more psychologically aware of what's going on around me. And it sort of broke me out of that cult. And So I have to own my mistakes, certainly. But what I also want to do is provide an off-ramp, Ari, for other people... Uh, where they're looking at this situation. They know it's ugly.
11: They know it's a gruesome situation. Yeah. Uh, and let's get them the off-ramp that they need. Uh, it's so well, interesting you say that, Anthony, because the off-ramp is—the whole panel stays. Tony, I'm going to go to you. But this off-ramp is something that is why we're having this conversation tonight. America saw this debate last night. The panel stays. But this is another key question I want to get into with our guests. You have many swing state voters looking at this, the final month of the election cycle. And one question is, after you go Trump, do you ever go back? In entertainment and politics, Trump's never been a broadly popular figure. He's no Oprah. But Trump has a small and fervently dedicated following. So it does matter how people break away. What the off-ramp is, as Nancy Scaramucci just mentioned, as these colleagues of ours here from Donald Trump are going to get into. So I want to put a little bit more evidence on the table. When you look at not just these famous politicos, but lesser known Americans, there are many who start out liking Donald Trump, believing him only to learn it was a con. And before politics, that included people who believed Trump would do what he said. Small business entrepreneurs back in 2005 who believed Trump would be personally involved in backing a marketing company they had when he never even showed up. Mm. They sued him for fraud and false advertising. Trump fans who believed that Donald Trump was doing public works through his charity
14: which was literally shut down and fined for conning them, because it was all a lie. Or, of course, the many
11: Trump fans who spent up to $35,000 to get classes from Trump at Trump University, where they found out it was a fraud. No Trump there to do any teaching or classes, no university to speak of. Something that actually converted the most loyal type of Trump fan, someone willing to spend their own money to just be with him, into a con victim seeking justice. This is the boom-bust cycle we've seen of Trumpism. I say that not as a political observation, but as the evidence from Trump's own former fans, former fervent supporters, whose feelings often curdle into people who find themselves repulsed and repelled in the end. My life is awesome. but it wasn't always that way.
20: I've been wasting my... Former Defense Secretary James Mattis condemning President Trump, accusing the president of deliberately trying to divide
17: Americans. The president's worst impulses can't be ameliorated. If you Google the word sociopath, you'll get the first list will be the 10 key qualities of the sociopath. That is a perfect description of Donald Trump's... I liked working for him, but when I saw how he talked about us when he started his presidency,
4: I felt humiliated. The entire program was smoke
11: and mirrors. Do those stories of smoke and mirrors apply to this election? There are some echoes here. There's a farmer, Rick Tellis, who spoke out about regretting his vote for Trump and even spoke at the DNC. And there's data showing a portion of Americans defecting out of the Trump bubble. For example, did you know that in battleground states, now about one out of 20 Trump voters, 6% of his 2016 supporters, say
9: they will not have any chance of backing him again oh wow Uh, we turn that process uh, to each of you
11: starting with tony what is specific to the support that trump endears that then is important to understand if someone's going to break away look first of all
14: it's mostly men you know women are overwhelmingly uh against
17: trump men are for him. there's a disease that especially afflicts men and most of all, men who grow up with a feeling of not being good enough. And it's the disease of trying to win from the outside world through money and power and fame the love and recognition that was missing for them when they grew up in their own families. It's the heart of why Trump does what he does. He's still trying to prove his worth to his daddy.
9: Oh, if wow. I tell about myself in dealing with the devil. I suspect it's
17: true, I don't know, but I suspect it's true for Michael and Anthony. I've reckoned with it over the past 30 years. Trump hasn't. And it, the reckoning is why I feel such joy in giving away my royalties from the art of the deal to people and causes that can serve a greater good. So. In my case, over the next month, I'll, I'll give, I'll donate my next tranche of royalties. as I've donated all royalties from *The Art of the Deal* since the, uh, uh, since Trump was elected to Joe Biden and to Democrats fighting for Republican Senate seats and to causes that Trump hates,
9: it's my way of getting Trump to support what he hates. Whoa, Anthony. Whoa. Uh, I'm going remember that Tony Swartz. I'm gonna send you a, a application here. My parents did give me a lot of love, uh, but we, you know, we were
19: hustling. We were hustling for uh, an, an a tight budgeted family and I was out, out to do well and try to live the American dream. And I read the book that Tony wrote. I told him that when I was about 23 years old and I was inspired by it. And, and so for, for me, when I met Mr. Trump and Michael did introduce me to him, I, I had this feeling about him that, okay, this is a doer. This is a guy that can get things done. Uh, and then more time I spent with him. I saw him as a Ron Contour, And uh, then when we were on the campaign together, Michael could attribute this. He was way more relaxed on the campaign because he didn't think he was going to win the presidency. When he got to the presidency. So let, me, let me push on that all point because you're answering him. out
11: specifically what Tony raises to Anthony and then to Michael. Anthony. Did you feel that associating yourself with Trump, in your case, personally, but for many other Americans, it's at a distance, did it make you feel bigger or better about yourself
19: initially? Well, I would have to be honest with that and say no in the beginning, but when he won the presidency, yes. The presidency, that's where I made my mistake. My ego and my pride kicked in. And when your ego and pride kicks in, Harry, your your emotions go up and your intelligence goes down. And so, yes... When he won the presidency, I was attracted to the idea of working in the White House. I have to live with that and reckon with that for the rest of my life because he was the wrong man to go to work for or work with, Uh, but not in the beginning because I had already had a very good career. I was hosting a a show on the Fox Business Channel, and I just thought it was gonna be a lot of fun to be a part of the campaign. But when he made the transition to the presidency, the answer to that question is a very honest yes. And so, Michael, the same
11: question to you, which you explore in the book, do you ever feel like you're speaking to your past self when you speak? Because people are listening to you now on this program, your book, your podcast. You're speaking sometimes towards people who are where you were a few years ago in terms of
16: how they support Trump. Yeah. um, yeah, Just to to talk about what tony had brought up um i grew up in a very loving home and my relationship even to this day with my father is unbreakable i love the man i was never looking for a replacement father what trump was was more like a patriarch it's a little bit different but what really enticed me wasn't the money Like Judge Paulie used to say, uh, where he said it, my sentencing had nothing to do with the money. Like Anthony and and Tony, I was very successful. I had done very well early on in my in my career. What attracted me, and I believe this is what attracts most America, is the stardom. It's that celebrity fame that he brings. It's the I'm going to live my life larger than you could ever imagine. You know, I went out. You may remember to Ohio. You know, for him. I took the 727 by myself. And when I landed, they asked me, Mr. Cole, Mr. Cole, what are you doing here? Well, I came to just check out the first in state. Well, I just take Mr. Trump's 727. They well, wouldn't let me use the 757, right? I mean, this was the life. I was on the board of Miss Universal Organization. You know, the business card, big, thick cardboard with, this, with the gold, it's the, it's, it's the celebrity power that he brings. It's the, I'm gonna live my life. You know, larger than life, and that was something that attracted me. And I did things that, you know, like as Anthony says, I'm going to regret for the rest of my life. Most of things you specifically in, into running what for this presidency, s- and specifically, I'm just pushing you. What do you say to people who are where you were then, and say, yeah, celebrity populism well, the whole is, purpose to- of, yeah. What do you sure. say to the them? The whole purpose, the whole purpose of the book, Disloyal, is go to the store. Buy some Visine, put Visine in your eyes, and clear, clear your vision to and see that Donald Trump
9: doesn't care about anyone or anything but himself. Other than himself. That's right. Hmm. That's right. I want to
11: read from the book, as you mentioned, Michael, about this challenge, this dilemma you guys are going through. Because you said, "Here's the thing: after much of what you recount, I care for Donald Trump
9: even to this day, and I had and still have a lot." of affection for him What uh, to channel, I think the question many would have, why? It's the
16: different Donald Trump. It's not the Donald Trump as the president, it was the former Donald Trump. And the Donald Trump I was referring to in that paragraph was the fun Donald Trump. Yeah, Anthony will attest to this thing. we had a lot of good times together. I mean, going out for dinner with him was, you know, always a, it was a celebration and you know, going to even the clubs where you're treated like Yankee you know, games, Michael, like Yankee games.
9: Yeah, or Yank games the- he the- Yankee games. He said Yankee games. was open. I mean, there was a lot of good moments,
16: and when Donald Trump is good, he's good. But when he's bad, he's worse than evil.
9: Whoa.
11: Tony, uh, Michael Cohen's gonna stay with us on another piece of this, but Tony. Uh, what about the mental process you have to go through? I, I, showed those other examples because so much is polarized right now. It's easy to forget that if a belief system is based on something false, as long as you're debating the underlying falsehood, you're not really going to move anyone. I mentioned those people because they did like Donald Trump. They weren't mad that Donald Trump, uh, you know did something in their view that was terrible they were just mad he didn't even have the decency to show up to a date he made to teach a class and they believed him Um, what does that tell you about the the challenge in these weeks ahead with the debate last night hanging over
17: well first of all look there's 30 percent or around there that are immovable they they are part of a cult as as probably anthony and and michael would say they were uh I, i said that I didn't feel part of a cult. I felt like I was doing something for the money. It was a decision that I am ashamed of and that I've come to regret. but I knew exactly who Donald Trump was from day one. I knew that he was a liar and a cheater and a and a sociopath mm. and the you know I struggled with this all through the writing of the book uh and once the book was over, and i don't want to I don't need to be defending myself because i too like my two colleagues here will will carry this to my grave are you but, are you defending your value tony am i defending my value um that's a
11: trick question from you Ari. i know you you're you're, you're setting me up for the second question um, <laughs> Tony, i read tony, tony <laughs> writes about making the mistake of falling into only defending your value instead of growing from from your mistakes so yes but go ahead tony finish your thought before i turn to, to michael
17: so I just think that the most important thing that you could say to a person who's sitting on the fence right now is Are you proud of this country? Do you feel better than you did when Trump came into office? Because Whoa. it's very much like the question about, you know, that that, that was asked years ago. I I'm now I'm not remembering yeah. who asked it. It, it. I think it was Jim Carville who came up with the question, you know, are you doing better than you were? Americans Trump's supporters, Trump's opponents, most Americans do not feel happy with the country they're living in. And who's been leading that country right. for four years? It's Donald Trump. And, and I think that's important. Look, we're starting this
11: conversation, and it's, it's very easy to stand at a distance and just issue broad size it's harder to do i think what each of the three of you are doing even if people have criticisms of you which is actually taking this on but what you're talking about tony is evidence what is the evidence of how your life is in the country do we want to have an election based on evidence i know that's an old-fashioned a concept is people make up their own minds hey i'm ari melber from msnbc you can see more of our videos right here or better yet subscribe to our youtube
9: well that just a little excerpt you guys uh i found that on youtube You can go always go back and um YouTube channel below. Let me see. You can always go back on it has almost a million views. Two days ago they was talking about after the debate and these gentlemen uh literally worked hand in hand. Michael Coyne, which you know he's been in the news and and was um charged, but I think he released now. Uh he was working with Trump. He got fired, then the other gentleman was working with Trump and he got fired. And I believe the only reason why these individuals was fired and so many others have been fired because they're not gonna bow down and submit to that that control that he has. And uh why is this thing not registering? It's not registering none of the Okay, maybe I do what merchant? source i'm trying to finish these financials and it's not coming up oh my gosh i gotta get through this okay you guys so i really need to go back to sleep but um i have to finish some reports that is like really challenging me it's like i can't not that i can't is it seems I'm striving to update the banking part of it, uh, import it so it can sync up with my accounting system. And it's, uh, I'm not going to go into the details, but yeah. So I just like to share a different perspective of things so you can hear and see, and I'm not trying to badmouth anybody, you know. Uh, as I said earlier, my I said, Lord, have mercy when I found out he was in, he had COVID-19 and have to go in the hospital. So I'd say, Lord, have mercy. Um, wow. That's all I was able to say at that time. And then later on, I was like, well, Father, you say, those that live by um, the sword should die by the sword. But in so many words, uh, power and death is in the power of Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Whatsoever man eat it, that shall he reap. Meaning whoever speak it, declare it, them same words coming right back to you. So we have to be careful. That's all I'm getting out of all of it. Be careful how you treat people, how you talk to people, and what kind of words you are using. Because eventually, sooner or later, probably sooner, they will come back to haunt you. Okay? Alright, y'all. Later.
0: He said he's preparing to spend a few days according the White House officials to be treated for COVID-19. Melania Trump, the First Lady, of course, also tested positive. She stayed back at the White House. As John said, we have not heard beyond these paper statements well, from the doctors. Why she presence. stayed back doctors at the White House? More. I thought they she can was tell tested us about positive, condition.
15: too.
9: Wow. Your
0: wife's going to get taken down? But we do know that they would not be taking this step if they didn't have to, if it wasn't absolutely necessary in their mind at this point for the president to be in a hospital setting, to have access to the world's best doctors and the best equipment. As we see everyone crowding around, we're not really sure what exactly we're going to be able to see of the president as he walks inside. And it brings to mind. Go ahead, John.
17: Yeah, yeah, Georgia. It, it, it's quite a scene here. As, as I mentioned to you, I'm right across the street from Walter Reed. Uh, crowd of people across the way. As word got out that the president was heading here uh, to Walter Reed, you have people coming over to try to catch a glimpse. Obviously, uh, the view quite blocked. But what a sight to see Marine One, uh, essentially medevacking the president of the United States uh, here to the Walter Reed Medical Center. Uh, we saw him uh, walk to the helicopter uh, on his own, uh, but, uh, but but still quite a scene, essentially a uh, medevacking of the president of the United States.
0: What a year 2020 has been. It began yes, it with impeachment is. for the president, the pandemic, racial riots and protests in the streets over the course of the summer, and now President Trump heading into Walter Reed Hospital to be treated for the coronavirus. We're gonna move now to World News Tonight with David Muir. Stay with us.
3: This has been a special report
16: from ABC News.
0: Hi everyone, George Stephanopoulos here. Thanks for checking out the ABC News YouTube channel. If you'd like to get more- My thing is, I just realized, why do
9: they have the president in such a high, stressful position that these men are so old? I just realized that. he's 74 years old oh my gosh don't you think he would have been the main one like making sure you wear a You, you know what I'm saying 74 years old oh my gosh I think Biden I, say that Biden I think he's 70 that's that's a serious position to have somebody you have to really be healthy to be in a position like that especially in a crisis like that also to the point where I mean you really would have thought if it wasn't so much full of himself he would have handled this whole COVID thing a little better than this and I know for I know for a fact his whole his whole scenario gonna change if that man's scenario don't change about this disease in American people and really get in front that camera and apologize apologize and don't make no excuses. Acknowledge and apologize to the American people that you know what, you guys, I messed up. I'm sorry. This COVID thing, I really didn't, I heard about it. A lot of people died about, died from it. But by me going through it, I'm, I apologize to the American people. That's what needs to be done. Not coming out like you a big, you know, superhero. I beat it. So y'all can beat it. No, you need to apologize and repent. That's what needs to happen. Yeah, we can pray. We can pray over people all we want, but to each individual, get with God themselves and repent from your heart that you're sorry. Repentance is the only cleansing that's gonna happen for for any of us. You could be the prime minister. You can be, huh? Um, but y'all just don't know this. The the Lord revealed something to me In the beginning of this year And I thought I was freaking out But this man have done some lot of things behind the scene You guys that we don't even know about And the Lord showed it to me I mentioned that probably three months ago He showed it to me they was all in his room smoking and laughing, had their big cigars kicking up. Him, some prime ministers of other countries, they just was lapping it up, scheming, talking about how they're going to make more money, get it out the people, they ain't going to have to never work again in their life, you know, how to pull people the scums of the earth, and they're going to make them poor. I mean, God would just show me all that, and I was like, whoa. And the only thing that came, came in my spirit about it, was Nebuchadnezzar. That's the that's the scripture he put in my spirit for and that's I say Lord have mercy. Cause it's about to come to pass. No, I don't need to sleep. I need to get some work done. Uh I mean Man we we can't just be like you gotta be careful. That's all I'm saying. You gotta be careful, man. You, you God said He's against those that uh, that's oppressed. Right now, the the people in the United States of America are being oppressed. They're being oppressed by the 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 economic inequality, the social injustice, the lies, the deception. The people are being oppressed, and they still have to maintain a livelihood. They still have to go out there and put themselves on the front line to go to work just to be able to make ends meet and take care of their family, and that's barely minimum because even though what 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 sense it is to have a job making fifteen to sixteen dollars an hour when they're only going to give you fifteen hours a week. You see what I'm saying Come on y'all. What sense is that? So it's, 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 it's not even lawful. It's not even humane for somebody to brag about how the economy is booming when we're seeing job loss. Disney, 28,000. You got the airlines about to follow their employees. The 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 bag checkers, the TSA's, the stewardess. Even though Am- Amazon just listed where 19,000 of their employees then got tested for COVID. You see what I'm saying? Now they're going around delivering packages. See how this stuff? This stuff is just spraying all over the place. I I'm I'm gonna enjoy my birthday um tonight. Uh my children and my daughter bought me this beautiful crown. I'm gonna dress up and I'm gonna have a good time like it's my last time. But I leave y'all with this here. Make the best of your life the best that you can. You are right where God wants you. He's there with you. He got your back. But I'm telling you guys we gotta trust in God. we gotta stop trusting what people tell us you gotta stop trusting with your mama, your daddy, your oof, your uncle, goku, your cousin, Bocretia, uncle, uncle Joe. you better get on your face or walk in nature and let us slap y'all in the face and start having a personal conversation with God yourself. And I don't mean talk to yourself and answer yourself like it is, God. Literally, have that prayer. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you the understanding that you need to make you be livable in the land of the living while you're walking among the dead. Come on, Holy Ghost. We need it. We need that extra assurance. And the only way you're going to have it is dependent on the one who created all things. You have to pray, I like that myself, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Pray for God to give you strength, and you know the joy of the Lord is your strength out of Nehemiah, I think Nehemiah nine and something. I gotta um get back into my Bible study. I used to quote, I used to quote them scriptures, man. Um, uh, name, date, description, description, debit, credit. I need the balance. Let's see if that's going to work out. I'm trying to transfer this account. Sister items have been added. Forty-one items weren't imported due to invalid or missing mandatory. See details. 10, six, ten, twelve, and others. Names are already in use. All right. Uh, let's see what we got here. Yeah, you guys. So y'all, y'all just um. Uh, take care of yourself. Um, seek the Lord while he can be found <laughs> when he knock on the door of your heart open up and let him in yeah and he will give you strength so you can be livable while you're walking among the dead come on alright you guys y'all be blessed peace is Dr. D I'm out
18: after leaving the White House for the hospital, the questions are only growing. A briefing from his medical team added to the confusion, raising new questions about when the president knew he was sick. Yes, and a White House official painted a less rosy picture than his medical team, saying the next 48 hours are critical. We're going to work through all of this for you tonight with our reporting from across the country and our medical expert. We begin with Kelly O'Donnell, who is at Walter Reed Medical Center.
21: 10 white coats stepping forward for the first time with an assessment of the hospitalized president's condition
14: team and i are extremely happy with the progress the president has made
21: but that optimism from white house physician sean Connolly was quickly followed by confusing information about when the president became ill
14: just 72 hours into the diagnosis now
21: that would mean a wednesday diagnosis not thursday suggesting president trump knowingly traveled to a minnesota rally and a fundraiser at his bedminster club in new jersey with covid but later the white house issued this memo to correct the timeline dr conley writing i incorrectly used the term 72 hours instead of day three
9: thursday afternoon uh, Day three uh, is seventy-two hours. Duh. Close contact, oh only, Lord have mercy. The Why are they always testing,
14: playing on words? Um, and giving kind of clinical indications. Wow. A little bit concern.
21: Another issue: use of supplemental oxygen. Doctor Connolly spoke in present tense.
14: He's not on oxygen right now. That's right.
21: And evaded when reporters repeatedly pressed wow. for clarity.
14: Wow. Thursday, no oxygen, none at this moment. Yeah, and yesterday with the team, uh, while, while we were all here, he was not on oxygen.
21: But the Associated Press and New York Times report that President Trump was given oxygen right. Friday before he was hospitalized. Wow. And more worrisome, a source familiar with President Trump's condition told reporters today. The next 48 hours will be critical in terms of his care. We are still not on a clear path to a full recovery. The president's treatment includes a drug he has often touted.
18: What has made a big difference
0: is remdesivir.
21: Approved for hospitalized COVID patients, doctors said the president will receive a five-day course of remdesivir. The president tweeted his thanks to Walter Reed's medical team, adding... I'm-
0: starting to feel good uh he sounded like he can't
18: breathe yo i guess that's the real test kelly what else did the president say in that new
15: video
21: well he certainly thanked the medical personnel and he thanked the public for good wishes but it was important for the president to be seen and heard on video to say he wants to get back to his campaign This is clearly a president, a candidate, 30 days away from an election that does not want to be seen as a victim of coronavirus, but projecting his image and making, in some ways, some of the political messages we are typically seeing from the president. This was also a way for him to be his own communications director. Jose?
18: Kelly O'Donnell, outside Walter Reed, thank you very much. I want to bring in NBC senior medical correspondent, Dr. John Torres. Dr. Torres, so much to unpack. The president was on oxygen, he's on remdesivir, and a White House source says the next 48 hours are critical. What do we make of all this, given all we know about coronavirus?
13: Jose, what we can make of this is that coronavirus, COVID-19, can follow several different trajectories. In this case, President Trump went from no symptoms to mild symptoms to what sounds like moderate symptoms, even requiring oxygen in a very short time period. His doctors say he's doing well today, but in the president's case, it's possible the treatments he's been given have started to work. But we also know that coronavirus can be tricky with people getting better only to get worse again. And like President Trump's doctor said, looking at that seven to ten day time period is critical to finding out how he's going to do in the long run.
18: The president's medical team said they were concerned about the, quote, clinical indications he was displaying on Thursday afternoon. What could clinical conditions mean? Does that mean he was
13: symptomatic when he traveled that night and was around so many other people? Clinical indications are signs, symptoms, or even conditions that lead to a recommendation for a specific test or a treatment. For someone exposed to coronavirus, that could certainly be symptoms. And once he started showing symptoms of COVID-19, regardless of whether he had a test or not, he should be in isolation and not traveling or around others. Jose.
18: Dr. John Torres, thank you. And now to breaking news about former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. He is in the hospital tonight after testing positive for COVID and after spending the week at several events with the president, even helping him prepare for the debate. Christie is now one of several prominent Republicans we're learning about who have the virus. Jeff Bennett has late details.
20: Tonight, former
18: New Jersey Governor Chris Christie hospitalized
20: after announcing today he tested positive for coronavirus. In a statement, Christie says he checked himself into a New Jersey hospital as a precautionary measure. While the source of transmission is unclear, Christie attended a rose garden event a week ago that's coming under new scrutiny. Last Saturday, more than 100 people gathered to celebrate President Trump's latest Supreme Court nominee, Amy Coney Barrett. Thank you. Guests mingled, hugged and kissed on the cheek, most without wearing masks. New photos of an indoor reception following the outdoor ceremony show the president in close contact with guests. No one wearing a mask.
3: The optics of the event last Saturday uh, at the White House uh, were terrible. We just had people next to each other handshaking. um, Every possible opportunity to spread the coronavirus was visible in that one short scene.
20: Now, seven days later, at least eight people who attended the ceremony have tested positive for coronavirus, including Kellyanne Conway, President Trump's now former senior advisor. Wow. Utah Republican Senator Mike Lee, seen at the event hugging and kissing other guests and not wearing a mask. Republican Senator Tom Tillis of North Carolina and Notre Dame President John Jenkins he said in a statement that he regrets his error in judgment in deciding not to wear a mask. Oh. A White House journalist who covered the Rose Garden ceremony also testing positive. Dang. In the days that followed, the president kept a packed schedule. On Monday, he held another Rose Garden Sprayin event with Vice germs. President Mike Pence and members of Congress. An administration official says the Pences this morning tested negative. On Tuesday, the president traveled to the Cleveland debate, surrounded by family and advisors including top aide, Hope Hicks, who later tested positive. The president's adult children and their spouses so far testing negative. During the debate, they refused to wear masks as required, even when reminded by a Cleveland Clinic doctor. Two people leading the president's reelection effort, also now testing positive. Trump campaign manager, Bill Stepien, and RNC chairwoman, Ronna McDaniel.
18: And Jeff joins us now. Jeff, what is the White House doing now to trace all those who may have been exposed? Well, the White House says it's conducting contact tracing, advising those who
20: have been exposed whether they need to get tested or self-quarantine. And as you know, the CDC advises a 14-day quarantine following a potential exposure. Jose?
18: Jeff Bennett, thank you. With so many of the president's inner circle testing positive for COVID, the administration is now scrambling to reshape its campaign strategy against Joe Biden. And with just 31 days until the election, Vice President Pence is heading out on the trail as both teams get ready for Wednesday's debate. Garrett Hake reports.
12: Tonight, Joe Biden taking his campaign message online, joining union workers in a digital town hall. It's about patriotism. You wear a mask to protect the person next to you. You wear a mask to protect the bus driver.
1: You wear a mask to protect the person you're sitting next to on the bus.
12: Both Biden and his running mate Kamala Harris appearing at in-person events in battleground states Friday. What's up, Nevada? After each testing negative for COVID-19. Harris also joining former President Obama in an online fundraiser, where he offered this comment on President Trump's illness.
3: Although we're in the midst of a big political fight and we take that very seriously, uh, we also wanna uh, extend our best wishes to the President of the United States, the First Lady.
12: This week, the focus of the campaign shifts to the battle for the Vice Presidency, with Harris set to debate Vice President Mike Pence in Salt Lake City on Wednesday.
9: Let's put our shoulders to the wheel.
12: Let's do the work that is necessary. Harris arriving there today. The candidates will now be seated 12 feet apart instead of seven, an additional coronavirus precaution. Pence plans a rally the day after in Arizona.
19: Thank you very, very much.
12: Meantime, the Biden team plans to continue campaigning. Jill Biden on the trail in Minnesota today and Bernie Sanders stumbling for Biden in New Hampshire.
3: Which candidate
14: has the temperament to see us through this difficult crisis?
12: The campaigns only change
18: in tactics, pulling negative TV ads off the air. And Garrett, what is the Trump campaign's plan now that the president has to be off the trail?
12: Yeah, the Trump campaign is rolling out something they're calling Operation MAGA to try to make use of campaign surrogates, particularly the first family and the vice president to campaign aggressively in those
18: battleground states while the president can't. Jose, Garrett, Garrett in Washington, D.C. Thank you. When we come back, the experimental treatment the president received. What is it and how does it work? President Trump is receiving a treatment not yet approved by the FDA. His doctors had to ask for special permission to use it. Just how effective is it? Kathy Park has the details.
22: Soon after the president's COVID-19 diagnosis, his physician released an update saying Mr. Trump received a single eight gram dose of Regeneron's antibody cocktail.
14: It's a cocktail of two antibodies. If you put in two, at least based on all of our scientific experiments, it can really protect against what a lot of people are worried about.
22: The experimental drug is intended to boost a body's immune system to help fight off the virus.
14: We could, with a single injection within a couple of days, dramatically lower their viral levels by 100-fold, by 99%.
22: The treatment is still under review, being tested on patients at all different stages of the infection. Regeneron released a drug to the president under compassionate use, an approval process that goes through the FDA for those requesting the drug outside of clinical trials. Are there any side effects of taking this cocktail?
14: It's been in more than 2,000 people. Um, the safety is being monitored not only by us, but by outside independent experts, an independent safety monitoring committee. Um, and. The safety profile is very benign.
19: I will say in no case have I heard of a patient, especially of the president's
6: uh, the, the importance of the president getting a experimental infusion of a of an antibody cocktail.
22: Nicole Martinez was diagnosed with COVID in August with a weakened immune system due to multiple sclerosis. She believed the benefits of the experimental treatment outweighed the risks. Do you think it potentially could have saved her life? Yes, I would have to say that. A thousand percent. Days after the injection, Martina says she began
5: noticing improvements. I gave it like two days. Then miraculously, my sense of smell and taste started coming back, which was a
10: godsend.
18: And Kathy joins us now. Kathy, how soon could antibody drugs for COVID be available to the general public?
22: Jose, there are several companies developing these drugs right now, but right now they're still in the trial phase. Regeneron says it's working with the federal government to roll out roughly 300,000 doses by the end of the year for those at highest risk. Jose?
18: Kathy Park in New York, thank you. With his diagnosis, the president is now part of an increasingly common club. More than 7 million Americans have contracted the virus More than 30,000 are in the hospital for it right now. The country has become almost numb to the grim statistics. Nearly 1,000 Americans still dying each day. But as the commander-in-chief battles the
15: virus, will it change any behaviors? Sam Brock has more. On the streets of South Florida a buzz of activity inside restaurants bars and clubs some floridians feeling pandemic fatigue or will the president's diagnosis of covid19 change minds do you think that might be a wake-up no. call for some people who didn't think the virus was actually...
5: yeah i mean at least i hope it's a wake-up call because it definitely shows anyone can get it at any time
2: i do think this will change people's opinions because you know the president
1: of course in the white house have taken all sorts of precautions to prevent him from contracting the virus and now even
15: he has it do you think this news shatters that pandemic fatigue just a little bit
5: i think a little bit i think if people were going out before i still believe that they're gonna keep going out it kind of depends on who you are
15: but in this politically crucial swing state it's not clear what impact if any the news will have at the ballot box
12: i think that he's going to get through it and i think that this might even empower him to be elected in office one that he's already contracted it so he's developing antibodies
15: anthony martinez of miami identifies as a trump supporter did this change your opinion at all about who you might vote for no it, it
12: didn't change i i still feel that i'm strong about who i will vote for
15: others in the president's camp are having a harder time processing his positive test when you found out this morning that president trump had contracted covid 19 did that change anything for you
18: absolutely I absolutely did, because he said he would never. And he also said
17: that everyone's okay with this.
15: A country still divided, as 32 states now seeing a rise of infections over the last two weeks, even though Florida's transmission has dropped, the Sunshine State logging the fourth highest total in the last 72 hours. Cases on an upswing, as the president's positive test reinforces the reality and danger of this virus. In Miami, Sam Brock, NBC News
18: when we come back the community that came together for a little girl what they built for her under the rainbow